You are listening to The Conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio. Today we're talking about public access and the public's right of way. Our guest today, uh, Laura Thielen, she's the director for the city's Department of Parks and Recreation. She joins us in studio today. Good morning. Good morning, Catherine. And we have John Shockley of the Free Access Coalition via phone from California. Hi, John. Hi, how are you guys doing? Good. We're so glad you could join us. And we hope to hear from Hawaii County Council Member Heather Kimball. She's tied up in a meeting, but hopefully she will join us for part of the show. Uh, you know, I'd like to start, uh, Laura, with the situation out at Port Lock because there was a really long, protracted legal fight, and the city just took down a metal gate there to allow access to the beach area. Uh, fill in our listeners as to where we're at today. Sure. So what happened is there was a... Um, uh, property where there was a long-time easement where the public used it as access to the beach. I guess there was, a, before I came on board, you know, some legal dispute about whether this was privately owned access uh, and easement, and so the city ultimately went through a condemnation and where it uh, took and paid to the property owners um, compensation to keep the access open to the public. What happened when I came on board is um, the adjacent property owners uh, had put up a gate and they said, well, we'll just take the lock off, but that allows public access. But access in Hawaii to the beaches is a constitutional right. And if you go and take a look at public access points around the island, whether they're publicly owned or whether they're on private land and there's a right to access, like even through the Waikiki hotels, there are no gates. Not a single public access has gates. So we took the gate down. Um, because we said public access means that it's open and free to the public, and anybody driving by can look down there and they don't see you know, anything that barricades it. Um, so we are grateful to the Honolulu Police Department for providing support to us. Uh, we're grateful to our trades crew that went down there and took the gates down. We're grateful to the City Corporation Council for backing you know, and, and holding that position. Um, we're grateful to the community for fighting so hard for so many years to keep this area open. And I want to give um, primary credit to our first Chief Justice for the Hawaii Supreme Court, um, and we should all be very grateful for him because what he said is Hawaii has not just Western law, but also is based on the cultural laws of the Native peoples, and that included access. And he was the one that made public access a, a part of our Constitution and a part of our, our state being, which is so mm. incredible. And that's Chief Justice Richardson. Yes. Yes, and uh, so the the situation there, it, it's just been really, a, what, a few weeks since that uh, access, that lane has been open. Uh, we did talk to uh, 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 one of the residents down in that area, Paige Alton. She also sits on the Hawaii Neighborhood Board, and she lives uh, in that area. And she just says the community is just really grateful to be able to walk down to that stretch of beach uh, safely again. She says that uh, uh, she was trying to organize a beach cleanup and other neighbors uh, beat her to it. Uh, here's Paige. The local surfers and local residents, they got down there and they just cleaned that thing up and it was beautiful. And then another neighbor I saw late Saturday afternoon, actually uh, Jimmy Kirk, who's a longtime Hawaii Kai and he used to be a Portlock resident. He had his, he was pulling down my alley. He had his back full of garbage bags and he said, I went down to see if I could help, but Everybody was gone. It was all done, and they just they, they had put the stack the bags up. So I thought I'll just take them to the dump. So I thought, well, there you go. That's my community. That's why I love Hawaii because these guys just did it. They didn't even wait. And I think big kudos to the community. Um, 
long fight, uh, but I think they want to do their part in making sure that that area isn't trashed and that, um, you know, it's part of their responsibility, I think, to, to keep it clean. Oh, and, and, and it's a wonderful job that they did, and it's a wonderful way that people in Hawaii just cherish these access and help care for them, and that's important. I mean, for us to keep them, we can't take them for granted, and, and we all have to care for them. So and where are we at on signage in that area? Uh, we have some of the signs up. We have to continue. Uh, I think there's one other sign we still need to put up, um, but we will be keeping an eye on the area, and we encourage folks, if they see any other barricades, go up to let us know and we will remove them uh, but we've put that into our inventory of beach right-of-ways we now manage uh, 89 beach right-of-ways across the island of Oahu uh, we should in my opinion get one more to make it at even 90 because that's an easier <laughs> number to remember but yeah uh, we did also talk to Anne Kirk. She's a Hawaii Kai resident, uh, and she, I think, was one of the original community members that uh, took on this fight a couple decades ago. We use a neighborhood board process. We use any process we could to get our message out. But one thing I want to make clear is that we never gave up. We went through five mayors. We went through six city council members. They continually changed, but our community didn't. We stayed clear on our message and stayed clear on the initiative for a public right-of-way. And the thing about it, and I know communities, when you ask what do you say to communities around the, um, throughout the islands, is it gets tiring because you have to re-educate all the time these new people coming in. And, you know, but that process, although it's so tiring, we just we got to keep at it. But to go through five mayors and six council members is crazy. To do something that's part of what we are in Hawaii, which is all beaches are public, and we have to enforce our public right away. You know, uh, John, I'm going to pull you in on this uh, because folks might not be aware of the uh, coalition and how it got formed. Uh, share with our listeners um, how it came about. Okay, let's go back to 2014. And, uh, of course, Rita and my wife, uh, we, we appreciate the beach. I grew up in Hawaii with free access given by our kupuna, and I intend fully to pass this on to the next generations. So we started this coalition of people that cared and nonprofits that cared. We're issue-oriented, not, not politically-oriented. We don't, we don't support politicians. What we do support is issues. And our first issue, we were really amateurs. We, did, we really didn't know what to do. It was Mayor Mufi Hahnemann's uh, desire that he wanted to have the, uh, the parks and beaches in Hawaii uh, metered like they do in California. And uh, it, it, this, this goes against everything that I grew up with. So Reed and I began a little uh, campaign and we put flyers on cars. We had people calling the wrong people. We, it was really kind of crazy, our first effort. But in the end, this was the time of Duke Bainham and Charlie DeJoux was on the council. They were the only two that were with, with us, and the rest of the council was with the mayor. So we ended up getting kind of a, a draw uh, instead of having the meter ratings at uh, Kapiolani Park going from 25 cents every hour to 25 cents every 10 minutes, uh, we went to 50 cents an hour. And the Honolulu Zoo, they went to a dollar an hour. So that was our first fight. And, you know, it was 
good enough. And since then, we have gotten involved, and people have contacted us, and we formed a very loose, loose, loose uh, coalition. No money involved, no nothing, just participation from nonprofits, including Surfrider, including uh, Sierra Club, uh, a lot of a lot of groups that uh, and individuals and activists that all have the same goal. Let's get free access to all of our recreational areas. And extending that out, let's extend it to uh, free access to our water, free access to all of the things that are given to us that we need to protect. So that's our free access coalition. So you folks also uh, got active recently uh, during the pandemic because there was an issue out there at Koalina. Oh, yeah. And uh, I know that they had closed off some parking spaces, and I believe the Department of Planning and permitting it issued a notice of violation because I think under the permits of that resort from way back when, they're supposed to allow public um, parking spaces, and those were closed. Yes, then they, uh, the, the mayor at the time, of course, that was uh, Kirk Caldwell, met with, I believe he was meeting with uh, Stone, Stone. Uh, the real director of, out there, and they had made some sort of a kind of a partial deal and it, it was that, okay, uh, instead of blocking the people completely off, what we'll do is we'll allow only, oh, 50% uh, capacity on, a, on the areas, and we will, we will call that a good thing. Well, it wasn't a good thing. Good thing is following the law. Good thing is public access, 100%. So in the end, we got a group together and we did the petition and then we did the then we did the demonstration and uh and it was it was very strange to see the Colina security people on the overhead bridge uh they called the cops on us and uh, the police came and nice guys they just said no oh, you're within your rights to do what you're doing and uh so it kind of blew up in their face and they said well we're scheduled to reopen the parking anyway but uh they ended up being forced to reopen that parking. So, you know, we, we've had our pluses and our minuses, and, and hopefully the people are the winners. And that's why we try to get as many people as vo- involved as we can. And you mentioned you're not really a 501c3. You don't uh, collect no, money. No, you no, just no, want no, no money involved, no, no nothing. In fact, our website is – I got a free website from a friend of mine who's a surfer who made it for us, and that's a free website also. So we don't ask for money. What we ask for is participation. And, and sometimes we really get uh, some participation in a mainland issue uh, where they were talking about the Hollister Ranch. We had 1,100 people getting involved with that particular coalition. And it, it, it varies. Uh, Ron Iwami's group, uh, the uh, well, Friends, Friends of, of Koala. Koalos, uh, the uh, Ala Moana Park Group, uh, Malama uh, Moana, uh, of course, Surfrider Oahu. All of these groups are really tremendous. They, they jump in, and we try to get things done for the people. So you become watchdogs. For the community. Uh, basically, you know, we coordinate. We, you know, the, the, this latest thing with Koalina, I, I really kind of didn't want to step to the front. But Rita and I were f- kind of forced to step to the front because we couldn't get uh, uh, nonprofits to be involved in, in that particular one. So we became the, the lead on that. And we had some great activists that came through. 
and uh, it, it was something that I call a, a just a nice public success. Well, if you're just joining the conversation, we're talking about public access and the public's uh, right of way. You can join our discussion by calling us at 941-3689 or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And, you know, uh, I did uh, talk to uh, Anne-Marie Kirk uh, from Hawaii Kai, and she mentioned there are other public access issues uh, that are cropping up. Um, here's what she had to say about the latest one. It's about honoring those who came before us and making a space for those in the future who are going to come to these spots. If we don't stand up for these public rights away today, we're going to lose them. There's other areas in East Oahu that have had problems with access, and access is an issue along our coastline. There's not enough right-of-ways. But one of the areas where we fought for the establishment of a right-of-way is for Paiko Lagoon and going through there to get to the beach area. And so we basically worked with... Department of Forestry and Wildlife, DLNR, and the city to make sure our access rights were recognized. And this goes back to 2015-2016. Yet here we were this past August, again being locked out by an electric gate, by signs that were put up that no trespassing. And so, again, it's this type of, not only as a community member do you have to fight for the right of way, but then we end up having to fight to keep them open, which isn't fair to us as a community. So we were able in August to get that situation fixed with having the gate taken down, with having proper signage come up. But still we deal with, just a few weeks ago, I caught a call from a community member who said Hiabi branches were cut off and thrown into the public right-of-way area. We don't know who did it, but it was obviously to stop public access to the beach. And this stuff has to end, not only here in Mauna Loa and East Oahu, but around the island where people are dealing with these kind of issues where they're being blocked out of these uh, public areas. All beaches are public in Hawaii, but what does it matter if we can't safely reach them? And I don't know, uh, Laura, do you want to jump in here? No, I, I think she's right. And um, I, I, one of the things that I think we need to be talking about is we have a lot of people who are not from Hawaii who are coming and buying the beachfront property. And they're coming from communities and, and countries or parts of the United States where they can close off access and they do close off access to the public. And so I know the state legislature has talked for years about having certain uh, disclosures or information that has to be provided to people who are purchasing property in certain areas. Uh, there's been a fight uh, for years to try and get disclosures about the um, shoreline erosion rate, uh, the fact that you can't put up a beach wall, you know, to, because if people are spending money to buy beachfront property and they're not you know, don't have these documents facing them about what the requirements are, then they're going to sit and advocate and say, we want to be able to do these things, which end up eroding the beaches, or they want to close off the public access. And I think we really do need to have requirements under our state law that if people are buying this beachfront property, that they have documents, and maybe they even have to sign off on them, that they understand that there is a right to public access, that the beach is public space, that they cannot build a wall or grow naupaka out to block the public, you know, from the lateral access along the beach, or do anything to infringe on the, um, per 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 sorry, perpendicular access getting down to the beach. Um, and part of that is just the education for the people that are, are moving here and purchasing these areas. And part of it is to remind local residents who, you know, may have kind of gotten away from their roots for some reason or another. I think we also need to be talking about in the community, because I know there's some areas where um, people who have allowed private access to remain open 
and those communities have felt that there's been a lack of um, consideration by some of the users and so some of those old neighborhoods the majority of the property owners are voting to close off those access points so while we can do things like uh, you know we did in this case where the city went in and they purchased an easement and kept public access that gets to be very expensive so I think it's also important for communities that are using access points to just remember to be considerate of the neighbors on either side to pack your garbage out 90% of the people are 90% of our people are wonderful about this. It's just, you know, for the 10%. Um, and if you're going down at night, maybe not be yelling, you know, so you're not disturbing people. And we all just need to work together because we're in a crowded a crowded place. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think this, we do need to make sure that the people that are coming to Hawaii and buying beachfront property are fully aware of our laws, our constitution, our history, and our practices, and they respect that. And with Porlock, I know I think uh, there's still the legal process going on where I think they have to set the price on the condemnation uh, with uh, the Dolman family. I know there there's some issues, I think, with uh, folks that have been using the, p the lane, the pathway, that, that they feel they're still being harassed, yelled at. So it's a little awkward. Yes. Uh, uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, hopefully uh, that will, will get resolved. And hopefully it's just a transition period. Um, but that's one of the reasons why we went in to take the gate down is, you know, this is not something that needs to be lingering. The public needs to have the access. People need to get used to that, you know, on both sides of the issue. And then we need to move forward. Okay. And uh, I just want to mention, I think we are now joined by uh, uh, Big Island uh, Council Member uh, Heather Kimball. Council Hi, Member Hi. Good morning. How are you? Glad, so glad you could join us. Yes, thanks for the invitation. You know, and I know the Big Island is grappling with this, uh, a similar case, an uh, eminent domain case there, uh, I think at the, the uh, Papakaiko Mills Beach. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not sure what you can say. I think you're, you're probably going back and forth with the attorneys uh, on, on the status of this case. Anything you can share with us at this point? Not on that case in particular. Um, like you pointed out, it's uh, it was something that the council, the previous council before I took office, did pass a resolution supporting um, eminent, uh, claiming that area by eminent domain. Um, but that has not happened yet, and so probably under best practices, uh, it would be best not to discuss while well, negotiations and conversations are ongoing. And th but that's been another protracted fight. I think eight years or more, right? Yes, it's certainly been something that's been uh, an issue for a long time and, and remains unsettled at this point. What other public access issues are you dealing with there on the Big Island? Well, our biggest challenges, I think, are um, you know a couple of areas that are considered must-see locations for folks visiting the island, um, that being the Green Sand Beach down in Ka'u and then Waipio Valley, of course. And these are areas that have cultural significance they're certainly um, natural wonders but there is a carrying capacity and what we saw in recent years was that we've really exceeded that carrying capacity um, uh, both of, of visitors from outside the islands but but as uh, visitors from other parts of the island as well and so really what we're looking at as far as addressing these locations is a management strategy that incorporates an education piece um, so that folks understand the impacts that they have when they come to visit. They get to learn a little bit about the history and the culture that's associated with the place and perhaps provide opportunities to contribute um, 
either in restoration work or um, planting trees or what, whatever we can do to have them engaged in a more holistic way with the site, but going away with a, a deeper appreciation that there's a limited carrying capacity. So we have th that sort of issue in addition to, um, you know, we're a rural island. We've got lots and lots of open space. And many folks just have their whole life access those open spaces as their backyard icebox. You know, they go up in the mountains to go pig hunting. They go down to the ocean to fish and collect OPE. And um, it's the same challenges that we see across all the islands where more and more of these areas are, are gated and no longer accessible. And so that, that's one of the other challenges is just maintaining arrangements so that folks can access areas that they've always traditionally gone to help feed their families and support their community. And John, I know your uh, coalition, you know, gets involved uh, gets involved with uh, these free access issues uh, on on all the islands. You, you even said, you know, even beyond our shores. Uh, and now, you folks are working um, on this issue on the Big Island as well. Uh, we're in, we we are are in contact with people on the Big Island as well as Maui as well as Kauai. Uh, we 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 encourage people to let us know what the issues are. And from there, we, start, we can figure out an action plan. But with the eyes and ears of the coalition, they're all of our activists, they're all of our nonprofits. And when we try to get everybody to work together so that we can have a larger voice, singly, or individually, we're nobody. It's only when we can group together with an issue that's righteous that we, we can succeed. So that's what we do. We have issues on West Oahu, which is really, really neglected. We're, for a while, the, uh, I, we're not sure the Army is still holding the people away from uh, crossing uh, their, their uh, Our Army Recreation Center, which they had done for years, just let people walk across to access the beach. Uh, the COVID thing came along and they cut it off, and we understand it's military, so it's high command that will make a decision. But we have the state also that's, that's locked off uh, the, uh, the, the, the Yokohama Bay area and, and, uh, and, and the other access areas. So, yeah, the, the fight continues. It's ongoing, and it's, it's not just, you know, locally on Oahu. It's wherever the issue comes up. And, you know, with the filter of COVID, that... that obviously complicates things uh you know it, as you uh, uh you know found out with the your uh, your struggle there with uh, the koolina um, oh, yes. resort but you know what? we're about to take a break i just want to remind listeners this is the conversation on hawaii public radio you can join our discussion by calling 1-877-941-3689 and again we'll be right back after a short break I'm Stephen Dubner. On the next Freakonomics Radio, do you really know how to influence other people? Stephen, 100%. We get a master class in the science of persuasion from the legendary social psychologist Robert Cialdini. People like those who are like them, and they like those who like them and say so. How to get anyone to do anything. That's next time on Freakonomics Radio. Beginning this evening at 7, following Counterspin. 
Support for HPR comes from the Honolulu Museum of Art with the exhibition Joyful Return, featuring a gallery presentation of modern and contemporary artworks from a diverse group of 20th century artists. HonoluluMuseum.org. discussion to the island of Maui. We did reach out to uh, Thierry Lawrence, who's a community advocate from the island, to talk about the issues that are, are challenging the community there. We are inundated with issues on public access everywhere. So Mala, Mala Boat Harbor is a small boat harbor and traditionally it was always used by local fishermen. But over the years, the state has allowed these commercial permits to be issued. And we also have People that are operating illegally, but they, the state has granted these commercial use permits to several companies. Um, with that, you know, when they're unloading, offloading um, guests at our boat harbor, now they're taking up all of our public stalls. And so we've had situations where we, you know, we, our fishermen can't get trader parking or, you know, we just don't have Parking, the overflow parking is affecting now the surf area on the other side of, of Mala. Um, and then also the state granted shoreline conservation district use permits to scuba companies. So now we have these scuba companies ac- accessing our shoreline right next to the small boat harbor. And now their guests are also taking up um, parking stalls. And we only have about 15 parking stalls. But what happens is now they're parking on the side of the road, blocking traffic, um, you know, the neighborhood over there is frustrated as well. So, you know, that's kind of coming to a head, and um, it's going to get confrontational soon enough, especially we're expecting like 60,000 more visitors next month. Um, You know, and these, and the 60,000 more visitors than we had in 2019. So we are like bracing ourselves for July. I'm not looking forward to it at all. That was Tiare Lawrence, a community advocate from Maui. And I don't know, Laura, you know, because of your background with DLNR, are you familiar with this area and some of these issues? A uh, little bit. And I think this is, you know, what we're seeing in the resident surveys about the reopening of tourism. Um, people were feeling for some time that when we got up to 10.5 million pre-COVID that that was too much. But I think the stark uh, reminder of what life used to be like when COVID hit and the numbers stopped and everybody just had a chance to take a breath and remember what it was like when it wasn't so crowded. And so there's a real strong demand now that, that we want to better manage the tourists who are coming to visit here, and we want to better manage the numbers of people. I don't think anybody is in a real, well, very few people are in a real rush to get back up to 10.5 million um, in an unmanaged way, especially. So yeah, these are issues that we need to take on especially here in Oahu, because Oahu um, is much more urbanized than all the other islands. If you look at just Oahu, our population and our square mileage 
We are nearly as populated, densely populated as the state of New Jersey, which is the most densely populated state in the nation. If you subtract the military bases, which we can't get onto, and, and the watershed, the mountain areas, we are more densely populated than the state of New Jersey. For on Oahu, we just, we need to find a better way to open up more recreational spaces, more access to the ocean, um, and to be able to manage the visitors who are coming here, to be able to respect those areas that are supposed to remain residential or non-commercial. And it is a challenge trying to, to manage the crowds. I was out uh, on Oahu's North Shore and, uh, you know, Shark's Cove area, uh, Three Tables, lots of tourists. Um, you know, uh, Hanama Bay, uh, the city has a management system there, so you're able to uh, you know, control the, the the entrance and the exit of the crowds there, but that's not what you've got on the North Shore, so it's a challenge, even though it's a conservation district. Yes, it's a huge challenge. And I think it's a, one of the biggest challenges facing our state these days. Okay, and we do have a call uh, coming in. Lemomi from Honolulu. What's on your mind? Hi, good morning, everyone. Thank good you for morning. taking my call. So, you know, I, I went a few years back, I went to um, the West in the Makaha area, and there's this beach that we used to call when we were in high school, um, Turtles, Turtles Beach. Uh, some of them call it cabanas because of the whole, um, apartments over there. But there's a home now, a private home that's blocking um, the beaches. I, You know, I don't know. I haven't been there for a while, so I was really shocked. I couldn't go on the beach to go swim at my favorite beach. But I was just thinking, so what is the next step that we can do um, to um, you know, get access to you know to these beaches that are blocked now. That's a good question because a lot of times it's a jurisdictional issue, right? You got to figure out is it private property, public. I don't know, Laura, do you want to address that? Yeah, it does get to be a little complicated. So you do need to take a look at, you know, is it um, the property that's surrounding the area? Are there access points that are nearby that you can laterally get over to the beach from? You know, is there no public access to it, only you know that, that we need to create a new one? Um, who owns the property? Uh, if it's something where there's state land there, you know, can we put an access across that um, through the state agencies? So it really is very um, area-specific about what, what needs to be done. And I know when I was talking with Anne-Marie Kirk, she says she's in the process of developing a website uh, to kind of help, uh, you know, uh, community members out there who, like you, Lamomi, don't know who to call and how to figure this out. Uh, now, the, the city does have some kind of a... a a map of the um, right-of-ways across the island? Yeah, so uh, Nate Sirota, who is our public information officer, has been doing a great job in getting a lot of our information online and has a website uh, put up. He, uh, We do have the maps with the beach right-of-ways, but he's trying to make it a little bit more uh, user-friendly and interactive with Google Maps so people can find them as they go around the island. Um, so we're, there's some information that's up on our website now, but others that uh, hopefully we'll keep improving them and make it easier for people to use. Is there anything uh, that the Department of Land and Natural Resources has, or can you call them to help navigate this? You know, I'm not sure if they do, but the State Office of Planning manages the Coastal Zone Management Act, and under that act, I was thinking about that, when, when there are permits given out for beachfront development, the counties are supposed to be requiring uh, consideration for public access to these areas. And so that's another thing to be checking. Um, but that State Office of Planning might have information <coughs> about uh, access points 
that are not necessarily owned or managed by the city. They may be managed by the state or they may be private lands that are required to keep that access area open in exchange for, you know, as a condition of getting the permit to build. So that's another thing to be checking when a building goes up. Does the permit require public access, um, you know, in that area to keep public uh, access to the water open? And uh, Councilmember uh, Kimball, I don't know, does the Big Island uh, County have anything that you're aware of? Um, well, similarly, you know, we're, we're supposed to monitor um, access to the beach um, for coastal development as well as we have a fairly well-documented historical trail system on the west side and maintaining public access to that, of course, is um, a priority over here. You know, I, I liked a couple of things that Director um, Zeeland had to say about um, making sure it maybe we have some requirements at the state level to provide disclosure for folks that are, are purchasing new properties across the state and, and make, making sure that there is an understanding um, with future property owners that, that plan to develop upfront what they can and cannot do um, and where access may have historically been on their property. Um, you know, another, another thing that we see here is certainly a concern for privacy, public safety for, for folks' protection of their own property when we allow public access next to private um, homes and, and ownership. And one of the, the narratives I think that we need to change is that providing public access somehow reduces security. Um, I think in many cases when, when the public has access to an area, they take care of it. And it's, um, as Director Thielen was saying, you know, 90% of the folks will, will be on good behavior and protect it and keep it clean. And we just all need to work together to make sure that that perception that somehow opening access next to your home to a public beach is going to reduce your security and safety. And it is different, um, you know, depending on, you know, what area we're talking about. I was down at Kahala and noticed a lane that looked like it was blocked off by a gate. But when I went in further to investigate, it turns out it was just uh, portions of two gates, so you could walk mm -hmm. around it, um, but it was still a barrier, I guess, for vehicles or uh, mopeds or whatever to, to go down that lane. Um, John, uh, anything you want to uh, share with Lemomi about you know what to do if you have a question about access? Well, the first thing I would suggest is get onto our website or on Facebook. We have a Free Access Coalition uh, page. Get in touch with us and give us your issue. We'll try to work with whoever we need to work with to try and uh, get it to resolution. And that's what we do as, as a coalition. So I invite her and everyone to check in with uh, Free Access Coalition. Make your, uh, make your wishes known and we'll see what we can do. All right, and uh, you know we did um, uh, talk uh, uh, further with uh, Tiari Lawrence, uh, the community advocate from Maui, about some of the other issues that they're seeing on their island. Uh, here's what she had to say: we Did organize a Take Back the Beach event shortly after spring break, which turned out to be really successful. I mean, you know, there was hotels setting pre-setting umbrellas and beach chairs and just taking up the beach, but the community organized, and a lot of people just went there and had a beach day and just try to block them from being able to to take over the beach um, but through that we were able to start having more conversations with the general managers of these hotels and so now they we've got their attention um, 
we are trying to work with them on mitigating a lot of that issue, but that's always been an issue here on Maui for years. Um, you know, sometimes they have new employees who aren't educated of the state rules or, or you know, it's just easier to preset, right? Yeah. So if you're not on it, if the public's not on it, they'll just go back to the status quo of presetting. So we, as the community, we kind of take on that kuleana to do a lot of the, the documenting and enforcement ourselves. And we have that had that situation here on Oahu. I think it was the, uh, gosh, I think the Hilton a long time ago was doing that in Waikiki. Uh, Kahala Hotel was doing that as well. Do you want to share anything else, yeah. Laura? Well, I remember when I was at DLNR, we had the issue that there was a lot of uh, weddings going down and presetting chairs and altars and other places. And I think it was on Maui. There was actually a beach that became known as Wedding Beach. And there would be, you know, dozens and dozens of weddings, just one right after the other over the course of a day. So we ended up, um, you know, requiring any of these commercial activities to get a permit, but we put conditions in the permit. No presetting, no stuff, no asking people who were there to move, because anybody who was there when you got there, they had the right to be there. Um, you know, you could set up and use the space for a short period of time and then leave, but trying to respect the rights of the, the people at the beach and to leave the space open and clear. We ended up getting sued, which was interesting, by some of the wedding operators who claimed a religious right to have the ceremony and to bring, you know, all this stuff down there and to preset. And we had a great deputy AG, and he took it on up, and Judge Sam King in the federal court, one of his last written decisions um, before he passed away, said the state of Hawaii has a compelling state interest in keeping our beaches open and clear and free to the public. And that was upheld by the Ninth Circuit um, Federal Court. And so, you know, this is something that is embedded in our law and it's been recognized in federal law. But as I think Anne-Marie said, um, you can never rest. You have to keep working to protect those rights. And so I'm really grateful to all the community groups and, and advocates that have organized and, you know, keep this on the front burner because um, we just, we have to keep doing that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an issue that has popped up, uh, I think, on all, <laughs> all of the islands in, in one form or fashion. Uh, we do have a question from a listener uh, who emailed, do the same public access rights, uh, right-of-ways uh, rules apply to state Hiking mountain trails, uh, an example, Wailanui Ridge Trail to the summit is blocked by private landowners, I believe it's Kamehameha Schools, with no access right of way to get on the trail. Uh, that was from Mike. Do you know the you answer know, to that? You know, that's a really interesting question because the um, right of access does include the cultural right for gathering in the mountains, but it has been less, uh, you know, litigated and fought over and less recognized and um, because a lot of those access points are not as obvious as lands have been developed, you know, sold off and developed, they've been lost more easily. So um, the Na'alahele Na trail system at the state level is recognized and people at the state can go back and uh, go through records and reopen a historic trail. And I think that's what Councilwoman Kimball was talking about a bit, is that there's been a lot of work on the Big Island to do that, uh, some on Kauai, but maybe a little bit less on some of the other islands. Is there anything more you want to add about that, Council Member? Yeah, you know, I think that that documentation and that history of the trail system is, is something that I'm particularly grateful for um, over here on, on 
the Big Island, um, and, and certainly on the west side. On the east side, we have um, less uh, well-documented historical trails, and that's something that, um, that that's the particular district that I represent and, and something that I hope to keep working on um, with the, the large private landowners that we have um, in that area. My, my goal ultimately would be to have a public trail all the way from Hilo to Honoka'a to Waimea. Um, again, speaking of the narrative about public access, um, providing that sort of healthy experience, that, that immersive experience into a really unique natural environment is a, is a benefit both physically and mentally for our residents and visitors alike. And um, for me, it's a priority to, to make sure that we have that type of access um, all along the east side, uh, which is, like I said, less well documented as far as historical trails go. Do you know, know of any particular issues with hotels and access uh, there on your island? Um, you know, we have uh, probably the, the best example of, of a success story with um, Kohana Iki and the, the um, development that was proposed there um, ultimately not happening and that beach area being maintained um, through the PASH decision for public access. Um, with that, the, um, the developers became a real ally in terms of providing a quality open space for the community. Um, other areas, you know, there are more limited access, um, but we don't see the huge conflicts that I think are, are more prevalent in some of the, on some of the other islands um, regarding particular beaches and hotels. And John, oh, what are you hearing from the communities? Is there anything else that's, that's uh, on the front burner for you? Well, right now we're concentrating on the west side of Oahu, where we have a, a real strong local ohana, especially out at the Makaha area. And these people, you know, they work, and when it's time for their breaks or their weekends, they want free access to the beach. And a lot of times, you know, there's a different uh, feeling out there that uh, somebody might put up a gate, but maybe the gate won't have to wait for the state to or the city to take it down. It just comes down. And these blockages, yes, they, they continue, and it's a, a continuing battle that we all need to be aware of. And that's why we have our little coalition of people, and we get word uh, of problems and uh we, we even know that there are ongoing problems. There's one where Gil Revere on the uh, North Shore at uh, Mokolea, somebody had built a, uh, a seawall retainer right across a uh, public access, and, uh, a city and county, I believe, and they blocked it, and, they, and they, right now it's fenced. Uh, we, we still are, are worried and waiting for that to reopen. How it can happen? We don't know, but it's going to take money because they're going to need to reopen the uh, gate where they pile these heavy rocks. Are you familiar so we've with got that? big issues that are going to go into the future. Uh, Laura, are you familiar with that? Yes, and I'm, I'm not exactly clear how it happened because I think there's a couple properties on either side, if this is the access point I'm thinking of, where there yes. were walls that were built. And then, the yes, and so it is an issue, and we're trying to work with both DLNR and the Department of Planning and Permitting 
uh, to resolve the issue so we can reopen that beach access. There is going to have to be um, the, the, the public beach access, I think, is, is owned and managed by the city, so that's not going to cost money. But because of these seawalls that were built, the beach has eroded terribly in that area. So we would have to find some way to get people from the access down safely to the beach in a way that's not going to make the erosion any worse. So we're going to have to figure that one out after we can get the legal issues uh, resolved with the adjacent property owners. But that is one that we're working on. Okay, so, but we do know the property owners involved, and we just don't know who put the walls up. <laughs> and it's it's a complicated legal history, and apparently the city ended up, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it was a mess. So it, we're trying to go back, though, at this point now and get the state agency and the city planning and permitting to say, you know, we need you to focus on this area because the access is closed off and we need to reopen it. And, you know, I think I mentioned before, it's depending on what neighborhood you're in, whether they have an association, whether there are certain rules that apply. Uh, it is complicated trying to sort out the mess, <laughs> right, if you've got an issue. It is. You know, land matters are never easy in Hawaii, and it doesn't help, too, when they've become so expensive, especially the beachfront properties that often the people who are, you know, th they're newer buyers, and there's a tremendous amount of money in it, and yeah, so it's, uh, that's why I was saying, the community activity is really essential to help keep the government focused and uh, moving on these issues um, because they're not easy ones for us to resolve, and so it's good for, you know, the community to have our back and, and keep pushing us forward on this. And, you know, this uh, question, I don't know if we really answered it, uh, that Mike had sent in about the hiking trails uh, and that particular one with the Wailainui Ridge, I don't know. Are you familiar with that? No, and I need to talk with um, DLNR. I know we have some hiking trails that uh, there are access points through uh, communities that aren't necessarily open to the public, but there's an agreement as part of the um, permitting that was done that the public can have access in there to get to trails. And so, again, it depends on the specific location and what the agreements were um, in that area. Uh, but DLNR tends to take the lead on the mountain access because they're the ones that manage the Malka lands. Right, and we've had situations where we've had a very, uh, how would you say, treacherous conditions. We saw at Sacred Falls mm -hmm. where we had that yeah. terrible, tragic, uh, fatal rock fall on Mother's Day. Many, well, it was more than a decade ago, I think. And, uh, you know, DLNR blocked off access to that because it's, it's just not safe. But people still go there. You know, we had the situation up at uh, Stairway to Heaven mm -hmm. uh, where they're traipsing through uh, private property and, and right by residential areas. Mm -hmm. and we had a couple of serious injuries at that uh, hike that's uh, um, on the top of Nuanopali area, um, one with a, a banyan tree limb falling down and then also some rocks there and then other rockfall area. Our, our rocks are not real stable on the area, so but... Most of the hikes are safe and, and encourage people to stay on marked trails and not wander off. Okay, yeah, that's always good advice because then that puts our first responders in a precarious uh, situation if they have to rescue somebody. So yes. uh, that, that's not a good situation. Uh, I don't know. We've got about four minutes left. We can go around the table with uh, a final thoughts. Uh, uh, Council Member, any, uh, anything you want to say about your island and, and access? Well, one of the things that's wonderful on Hawaii Island is that we do have the 2% um, public open space and natural resource fund 
um, which is 2% of the property taxes collected every year goes into a fund that allows us to purchase parcels um, to keep as public open space and natural preserves in perpetuity. And so we have several of those that are moving through the process right now, um, some great locations and um, on the west side, like Magic Sands, um, Mahukona in um, Kohala. Um, so it's nice to see some of these moving through after a period of time where we haven't had a whole lot of those um, coming through the council. And hopefully in the near future, we'll be moving forward to purchase some of those and, and providing those as, of, as public space. All right, well, thank you uh, so much. And then John, um, any final thoughts? Yes, I kind of forgot to mention the, one of the main things about public access is access of our ocean safety and our, uh, our hiking rescue people. They need the access as much as the public does, in fact, maybe even more. Uh, Brian Kialana and the, on the west side, uh, the rest have, have, have really said that, hey, w the public, yes, great, let's get the access. But they also need, they, we need emergency services. Somebody gets a heart attack, somebody drowning they need access and and not any blockages so i i want to mention that ocean safety and mountain safety is very very important to public access yes you know i was uh, over by china walls uh you know and it was a crowded day out there people jumping in the water and then not long after i left uh, there were uh, fire engines that were headed to that area and unfortunately uh, someone drowned there. Uh, so yeah, you just you never know um, when people are going to put themselves at risk and put the rescuers at risk too. Um, and Laura, any final thoughts for you? Uh, no, just again a shout out to the different community members: um, John, Paige, Anne Marie, um, Heather Kimball. You know the other people in government that are taking this issue seriously. And uh, you know it's a it's a wonderful tradition that makes Hawaii so unique, and we should really cherish it and and honor it and make sure that people who are moving here respect it and understand it as well. So I don't know how we get around the uh, uh, making sure that they understand when, when folks come here and buy property that they kind of know the history and the laws because it is different from uh, every other state. I, I, we have a number of things that are required under state law for realtors to have as disclosure when they're selling property. So we can add to the list for beachfront property to be aware of the sea level rise projections, to be aware of the fact that they cannot build sea walls to protect that property because it's going to come at uh, eroding the beach and the cost of the public access, and to be aware that the public has a right to the beach, whether they're next to an easement or not, the public has a right to lateral access along the beach and that they cannot grow things out to stop the public and block them from access. So that could be added to the list of things that are already required to be real estate disclosures in state law for all beachfront property. Okay, and so if uh, anyone from the public has any question uh, about uh, access that you think might be blocked, uh, again, you can go to uh, the uh, uh, Facebook page of a Free Access Coalition. Uh, the city and county uh, has uh, its page, and uh, DLNR, I'm sure you could probably reach out to them and, and uh, for clarification if there are... Uh, uh, any issues. Um, but we would like to thank our guests, again, John Shockley of Free Access Coalition, Laura Thielen, City Parks Director, and Hawaii County Council Member Heather Kimball. And we thank you, the listener, for joining us on today's show. 
Uh, you can still contact the Talkback line. That number is 808-792-8217. Send us an email at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. And if you want to listen back to today's show, check out the Conversation Podcast at hawaiipublicradio.org. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us tomorrow for more of the conversation. <laughs>